0: time have you ever felt that pressure of time The little clock up there in the in the corner it's just ticking down and you can't stop the time it'd be nice sometimes we go time out everybody else freezes and we get to continue on but time just keeps on ticking and ticking and you can't jump off you can't get off that treadmill that you're on and time continues on that's what makes it so precious is that time is limited and time continues And you've got a finite amount of time to do your stuff. Whatever you do on this earth, whatever things you invest in, whatever accomplishments you make, are all going to be based on a finite amount of time. You can't do everything. There are many things you'll have to say no to in life. You can only do a finite amount of things because we have only so much time. Psalm 39, 4 and 5 says, Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. From God's perspective, a day is but a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. That's what the scriptures tell us. If you did the math there, that means that your life from God's perspective would be like 12 days. Not very much. And if your life was tragically cut short, it might be nine days. God has a different perspective because he lives outside of time. But you and I can't get outside of time. We're stuck with it. And we've only got so much. And so it becomes extremely precious. Let me tell you about the average life. The average life today in America is 77 years. It's 28,000 days. You will have one less day tomorrow of your 28,000 than you do today. The average person spends 40 minutes a day on the phone. That's quite a bit more than me. So that means some of you are up to 80 or 100. 20 hours a month, 10 days a year, two years of your life on average you'll spend on the telephone. How about in the bathroom? Average person, hour a day, 30 hours a month, three years of your life. Think about that next time you want to replace the tile in your bathroom. You're going to spend three years in there. The average person spends 26 minutes a day getting dressed. Something we do every day. I hope you do. You Get dressed. 13 hours a month, seven days a year. You'll spend one year of your life just putting clothes on and taking them back off. Television. The average person spends three hours a day watching TV. It's 90 hours a month, 45 days a year. You will spend almost an entire decade of your life watching television. And some of you guys are going, see, honey, we've got to get the flat screen, the really big one. we spend a decade on that thing. That's not the point. How about the average person with God? The average person spends about 10 minutes a day with God if they're a Christ follower and zero if they're not. If you spent 10 minutes a day with God, that would be six hours a month, three days during a year, It would be a total of seven months over the course of your lifetime. Pretty pathetic when you think about it. And that gets down to the heart of where we're at this morning with your time. God cares about how you spend your time. God gave you time. And God wants you to use it wisely. The problem is, if you're like me, if you're a normal person, you're tempted many times to spend time doing things that are not that important, and you waste a lot of that valuable resource doing things that simply don't matter. And so I ask you this morning, are you ready to change? Can God change the way you spend your time? Can you spend your time more wisely? Can you invest your time more wisely? Our text this morning is Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 17. I want you to turn there with me if you have your Bibles. If not, follow along behind me there. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Read that again. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Opportunity, wisdom Good decisions. Verse 15 says, Be very careful how you live. As Christians, God calls us to consider the choices that we make and to make careful decisions. We make decisions all the time. Some of the decisions you make, you're not even aware you're making them. But God says, As a Christian, be careful about the decisions that you make, don't be haphazard. The decisions that you make, God is going to hold you accountable for. And the decisions that you make are going to answer the question of whether or not you're doing what God created you to do. He created you to worship and glorify him. Do the decisions that you make cause him to be worshiped and glorified? I know a lot of us enjoy watching the Olympic games. I certainly do. I probably watch too many of them every four years when they come around or every two years, I guess, with the winter games, although I like the summer better. But you know when you watch those athletes, those athletes, each one, they would not be there if they didn't know self-discipline. Every one of them, sometimes they do the background story and they show some boring gym that's not all fancy, doesn't have all the glitz and glamour of the one that they're competing in in the Olympics. And they go there at 5, 6, even 4 o'clock in the morning, every day before work. And they work and they work and they work because they've got their eye on the prize. They say, I want to win an Olympic gold And you don't win an Olympic gold unless you're willing to get up, pay the price, day in and day out for years. And even then, most of the athletes that you see in the Olympics will never get to win the Olympic gold. In fact, most of them will never win a gold at all. But they push and they train and they push and they train because they have that hope. And that hope that's out there before them drives them to continue to discipline themselves and to strive. What about you and I? I have no aspirations to win a gold medal not sure I could anyway, but I have no aspirations. But I do have an aspiration to be a worshiper of my God. I have an aspiration to align myself with Scripture in a way like I've never been able to do it before. I have an aspiration to be a better Christian, to be a better man, to be a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better preacher. I have aspirations to do more. But just like an Olympic athlete, you're never going to be and do those things if you don't discipline yourself Towards that end. We read in the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians nine twenty four to 27 Paul says this. Do you not know that those who run a race. Who run in a race all run. But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes in the games. Exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way. As not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly, after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul reminds us that if you want to go after something, you've got to discipline yourself. And I wonder, do you know what's most important? What's the most important thing you could be spending your time on? Have you ever thought that through? If I asked you to put together a list, could you prioritize your life? And once you did that list, if we took that list, would it match up well with the truth of Scripture? Or would your list be totally out of sync with what God's Word reveals? Do you have priorities? Do you have goals? And are you disciplining yourself towards those? Time is very important. Verse 15 says to do this not as unwise, but wise. In Scripture, there's two kinds of wisdom that are spoken of. Divine wisdom, godly wisdom, and human wisdom. And oftentimes they're put up against each other. God's wisdom versus man's wisdom. And every time God's wisdom wins, and man's wisdom turns out to be foolishness. And we see that here in this verse. Not as unwise, but as wise. In this verse, we see the comparison here where Paul speaks of the divine wisdom that comes from God. And he compares it to the unwise choices that we often make as human beings. You know, there's only one wisdom that is truly right and good, and it comes from above. Oftentimes, when I'm studying the Scriptures, I'm aware that it's so counterintuitive what the Bible says. The Bible will say things like, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. You know, that doesn't make any sense. It says that we're saved by grace and not as a result of works. And we go, but it seems like people should get what they deserve. People who work hard should get something great. We read about the parable about how Jesus pays all of the workers the same amount, whether they worked a few hours or long hours. And we go, That's just, so many things in the Bible just don't add up. And, and I'm tempted, as I'm sure you are sometimes, to say, I'm not sure if God's word is right. But you know what I've found? Every single time I test God, and I test to see if that is true, every single time, God's word has been right. And I can't tell you how many times I've been wrong when i trust my instincts my own wisdom i can mess my life up really fast but when i trust god's truth his wisdom even the broken things in my life can be renewed we read also in first 1 corinthians 118 to 25 for the word of the cross to those for the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness but to us who are being saved it is the power of god For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block, and to Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are called, the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. God loves to take the weak things, the pathetic things, and to bring shame to the wise in this world. It says that we should not be unwise, but wise wise. How we spend our time. How are you going to know the wisdom of how you should spend your time? You've got to know what God's Word says. If you don't know God's Word, if you don't study God's Word, if you don't make a great attempt to apply God's Word to your life, then all you've got is your own intellect, your own wisdom. And according to God's Word, that makes you a fool. I don't know, anybody here want to be a fool? It's not my favorite thing to do. I've done it a lot, but I'd rather not do it anymore. And so it says, be wise align yourself with god's truth in the way that you make decisions and in the way that you spend your time verse 16 making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil you know we live in a dead and dying world the bible says that the entire world we live in is in decay and all of creation cries out and groans that god would come and bring restoration you buy a brand new car what's it look like 10 years later not so good not so new not so shiny Rubber's starting to crack. You don't water your lawn. Sure, it rains sometimes, but what happens to the lawn? It gets all dried out. You don't paint your house, it starts to peel. You don't bathe yourself, you start to stink. I mean, your whole world is broken. You're surrounded by brokenness. And it takes great effort to try and bring some health and some restoration into that. And what God says is we live in a dead and dying world. It's an evil age we live in. And if you just go with the status quo, it's all going to be broken and there's going to be more brokenness to come. But he reminds us here that we have an opportunity. And he says, in the midst of that opportunity, make the most of your opportunities. Make wise decisions. Make wise choices. Choose to do what God says is best and is good. How does your time get spent? You know that God is always at work in your world? We're doing a study on... Thursday morning, Henry Blackaby experiencing God, and that's one of his principles. You Read in there, God is always at work. God never takes a day off. God's outside of time. When you're sleeping, He's awake. When you're eating, He's busy. When you're in the bathroom, He's busy. God doesn't need a break. He's not you. God is always at work in your world. And He gives each one of us opportunities to get involved in what He's doing. Whenever you have an opportunity to join God, my suggestion is that you take it. Join God in doing what He's doing. He's invited each one of us to be part of restoring this world. Won't you join Him? Or maybe are you too busy? Maybe you take a rain check. Maybe check back with me later, God, when I'm not so busy because right now I've got a whole lot of things I've got to do. Have you freed your life up enough that God gets the priority so that when opportunities come, you can make the most of them? Or are you so taxed already that you don't have time for God? Or maybe you just have God penciled in for a little bit of time. Every day you have an opportunity to do what's most important and to join God. What do you do with the opportunities that God gives you? And then verse 17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Again, if you don't get in line with God's will, you are a fool. The Bible's clear about that. You can be a fool and join the rest of the the society that you live around and just pursue, 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 run as fast as you can on that little wheel and race and race and race and and find that it's all worth nothing in the end. Or you can get on board with God and join what He's doing. You know, I think of time, uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can illustrate this, but the best I've ever seen... Somebody once when I was doing youth work brought to a youth camp a a glass jar and it was empty and you could see through it so you could see that it was empty and then they brought this heavy bag and they set it up on the table next to it and they said, see this jar, this jar represents your life and the amount of time that you have, the amount of energy that you have to invest in things and the emptiness in that jar, the volume in that jar represents your life. And then they pulled out of that bag some rocks. And on each one of those large rocks was written something important, like family, sleep, eating, uh, you know, going to work, all these really important things that you've got to get done. And then they had a bunch of smaller rocks, like gravel, like pebbles. And there wasn't anything written on them, but they said, these represent things that are pretty big, but they're not like family time or, or work time or sleep time. So they represent things like hobbies or, or things like cutting the lawn, getting your hair cut, things that, you know, they need to happen, but it's not as important as, as eating. And then they had some sand, and they said, you know, this sand represents things in your life that they are not even as important as your hobbies, but they're things that you do, things that, that, that you could pour into your life. And so maybe you got somebody who says, hey, let's go get some ice cream at Burr's. I love getting ice cream at Burr's but it takes time. That's sand. I could do it, or I could not do it. It's not really that big a deal. And then after that, they had, they had a jug of water. And they said, there's also things in your life that are like water. And those things are really not that important at all. It's kind of like watching TV. Sitting by yourself in your living room, you're staring at the TV, you're not getting any smarter, you're getting a little dumber, you're probably getting a little bit more out of shape, And you're burning electricity. I mean, a whole lot of bad stuff's happening, not too much good stuff. But, you know, it's something that we do. And so, I guess that's like water. And I say, you know, the funny thing is with with time, if you pour the water in, and then you pour the sand in, you got a bunch of wet sand in there, and then you take the gravel and you put the gravel in, by the time they did all that, there wasn't even any room left for any of the big rocks. And I said, how ridiculous would it be if you did life backwards? And you just did all the stuff that seemed like the most fun at the time. Yeah, I'm going to watch TV. Don't need to. Not going to make me any better. But that's what I feel like doing. Boom, you turn it on. And the time that you should be doing something else, you, you end up with watching TV. That's like pouring the water in first. And they said a much better way to do it, and they took and they emptied that jar out, is they took those big stones, family, sleep, food, and they put each one of those in there. And they filled up about half of the jar But there was a lot of empty space around them because they were big, round stones. And then they took the gravel and they poured the gravel and they shook it a little bit. And the gravel worked its way into a lot of the empty spots. And it still was barely over half full. Then they took the sand and poured it in and shook it a little bit more. And the sand went in around all the gravel. And then lastly, they poured in the water. And it was only about three quarters full, the entire jar. And it was phenomenal the difference it made of what order you put things in to the life. They said, "You know, if you put the most important things in first, you'll always have room for them, and you can fit all the other stuff around it. But if you don't put the most important things in first, you might find that when you go to put them in, there's no room left. At the end of your life, will you have gotten the most important things done? The way I do this is I have a daytime, or I have an organizer. Those of you who have met with me have probably seen this thing. It's black. It's about that big." I'll admit I'm not very high tech. I know some of you guys have a little handheld device that does everything I do and it syncs with your computer 24-7 and, you know, congratulations to you. That's cool. I just can't think that way. I can't operate that way. I tried changing over to an electronic calendar and still I have this thing that I write in with pencil. Got an eraser on one end and lead on the other. And I write in my appointments and if something changes, I erase them and I write something else in. But it allows me to open up and I can see a whole month at a time, all the days of the month. And I open this thing up and I look at them and I got all my days there and I start filling them in. Well, before I schedule any appointments with any of you guys, I fill in my whole calendar for the month. I've got certain things that I have to do every month. Those are my big stones and I've got to get all those filled in. So I fill them all in. I get done doing that and I look at my calendar and I go, wow, my life looks pretty full. And I haven't even scheduled in any of the other things. Just with the things I have to get done during a a given month. But then there are a few spots that are open up. So sometimes I'll write one of you guys an email and I'll say, hey, we need to get together. How about next Thursday at 10? Or I could do two. Because I'm looking at my calendar and I go, I can't do 12 to 2. But I could do after 2. Or I could do before 12. And I start scheduling those. in, And typically by the end of the month, I go back and look at my calendar. And that baby is packed full of stuff. But the thing that makes it work for me is when I look back at it, I realize I put them in the right order. I fill up my life every single month. But I know that I never miss out on doing the things that are most important because I put those in first. And my admonishment to you is if you want to live up to the truth of this Scripture and make the most of every opportunity, you have got to put the most important things in first. And the most important things are not what you think is important. It's what God's Word says is important. If you let God's Word be your guide, God will tell you that you need to spend time with your family. You need to spend time in relationships. You need to take care of your physical health. You cannot live on like four hours sleep a night. You need to eat some kind of real food somewhere along the way. You can't just eat fast food all the time. One of my struggles. You have got to make sure that the important things get done and get done well. And the Bible will continue to inform you on that. And as you study the Bible for the rest of your life, and I hope you will study the Bible for the rest of your life, you'll be continuing to learn truths from God's Word that will challenge you and you'll say, I didn't know that. I need to get in line with that. I need to make a change. And if it's something that's significant from God's Word, then it needs to become significant in your schedule. Your schedule, your time needs to match God's priorities. That's how a life is well spent. At the end of your life, each one of us get to have a eulogy, maybe a headstone that sums up who we are and what we did. I just want you to think for a moment. What will the end of your life look like? Will it be a life well lived, where time was invested well, or will it be a life of good intentions where you always meant to do it, but you could never fit it in? Because something else was in its place. So I challenge you this morning. Make the most of the opportunities that are still ahead. Don't beat yourself up over the opportunities lost in the past. But look forward to today, tomorrow, next week, this year, the next decade. How will you invest your time to serve God, to glorify Him, and to make Him known? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You again this morning that Your Word allows us to be informed. Allows us to be wise, even when we're fools. Lord, I pray that each one of us, as we hear the words this morning from your scripture, would be challenged on what you want us to do to make the most of the opportunities you've given to us. Lord, I know that many of us have opportunity to do a lot of fun things. Lord, we have the time, we have the money, we have the access to do all kinds of things that are fun. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to not just do the things that are fun, the things that are enjoyable, the things that are convenient, but to do the things that matter most. Lord, that we would live life with skill, that we would have marriages that reflect time well spent, that we would have children that reflect parenting with lots of quality time. Lord, that we would take time to know our neighbors, that we would take time to attend community events, that we would take time to be involved, to make a difference and not waste our time on things that don't matter. Lord, help us to be wise, each and every one. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Renew our thinking. Give us the fear of God in our life when we don't want to do what is right. And change us, God. Make us extraordinary for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.